Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we're going to be going into the Salt and Light back room and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the spring of 2017. We start with author Peter Kreeft, who tells us what Catholics and Protestants can learn from each other, and we speak with composer J.J. Wright about the Advent Christmas jazz album, O Emmanuel. In our second half hour, Dr. Greg Popchak tells us about his latest book, The Bedatitudes, and we end the program by meeting singer-songwriter Rita West. Remember to visit us at saltandlighttv.org radio, and to comment on what you hear or to ask any questions, look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook and Twitter. We begin now with Catholics and Protestants. I'm not sure most people really know what ecumenism is. Certainly, we don't know what ecumenism looks like. Some hope that true ecumenism means that one day everyone will be Catholic. Others see too little in each other to even find common ground, while others choose to ignore real issues and real questions. I don't know if I have the answer, but I do know that Jesus did not have division in mind when he left as a church. Most books that I've found that encourage dialogue between Catholics and Protestants contain apologetics or points to help us dialogue, or they offer instructions for ecumenical reconciliation. But now, there is a book that does neither. In Catholics and Protestants, author Peter Kreeft doesn't claim to resolve any issues between Catholics and Protestants. Instead, it presents many ideas and stories that illustrate the common ground that is shared by Catholics and Protestants and offers a candid reflection on the question of where to go from here. And to tell us more, I'm very happy to be joined now by Peter Kreeft. Peter, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you very much. So, um, in case some of our listeners don't know, you are a convert to Catholicism. How does that experience give you a unique insight into this topic? In the same way that uh, when a Jew converts to Christianity, his conversion experience makes him a better Jew, Uh so a more completed Jew. So now I think I am more evangelical uh, as a Catholic than I ever was as a Protestant. Interesting. So would you say that that is true with all conversions, that a a true conversion means that we're adding rather than taking away? Well, yes, but you can't always know what is an addition. Heresies look like an addition, too, but they're not. Right. So you can't just look at whether the sentence is is affirmative or negative, but whether you're talking about truth or, or denying it. Right. So... Um, it, it, when I it, when you explain that in the book, I was thinking, oh, this sounds a little bit like he's saying that being Catholic is better than being Protestant, but that's not what you're saying. Well, insofar as it's true, of course it is, by definition. Even even a Protestant would have to admit that. Right. An honest Protestant is not a Catholic for only one honest reason. He doesn't believe that these Catholic beliefs are true. Right. So there can't be an ecumenism that ignores truth. Right, right, and that's 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 I think almost a, a too too complicated to get into. Um, but do you see, uh, and because maybe because of the truth question, um, do you see any problems with the typical approach to ecumenism? Yes, most uh, ecumenical dialogue is problem oriented and argumentative. Uh, and there's a place for that, it's apologetic. Yeah. But the true common ground that we have uh, is a person. Uh, for Christians, truth is a person. 
that Christ has said, I am the truth. Right. And very clearly in Scripture, which we both accept as Protestants and Catholics, yes. uh, Christ uh, is not a bigamist. When he comes back in the last day, he will not marry a harem. Mm-hmm. But the Church has to be one. Mm-hmm. So what then is the better approach to ecumenism? Start with uh, our not just common beliefs, but our common faith in Christ and in his will. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, both sides at the time of the Reformation uh, were guilty of, uh, well, the sins that all human beings are guilty of, pride, arrogance, self-servingness, etc. Uh, insofar as we look to the baton of our common conductor and do his will, we will play the same music, because mm-hmm. that's his will, mm-hmm. harmonious music. And insofar as we don't, we don't. Right. Now, that sounds, it, it makes sense to me hearing it from you. What What do you tell people who who tell you that that, that they've never heard that, that that approach is not a Catholic approach? Would you say that this that approach is part of our Catholic teaching? That's a universally human approach. Mm-hmm. The Catholic Church and honest Protestants, too, uh, insist that uh, we can't just sit around and compromise. Right. Uh, we're talking about divine revelation and how to understand it. We're talking right. about the will of God. We're not talking about something human. So it's not a, a political deal. Right. Now, you mentioned in the book, and I know you've you've taken a lot from a document, an encyclical by St. John Paul II called Ut Unim Sint. Um, would you say that a lot of these ideas are taken from that document? Yes. The fundamental idea that ecumenism is not an add-on or an addition or an option, but a necessary part of the gospel, uh-huh. just as, let's say, social justice is. Right. Uh, that's pretty clear from Scripture. Yeah. So it's not a specialty. We we all have to work for union in different ways. Right. Yeah. Um, Pope Francis, I love it because he's always reminding us that when people talk about you know us being n- not in full communion or being or separated or whatever other term people use, that he always reminds us that we actually we share one baptism. That and that's huge. Um, are there other things that Catholics and Protestants? I mean, you mentioned Scripture, but are there other things that Catholics and Protestants share? I think the most powerful thing that we share is uh, in our own hearts, our resolution, our desire uh, to find the truth and to do God's will, because we're right. promised on highest authority that those who seek find. And when Christ said that, he wasn't talking about things like money or health or power, he was talking about truth. Right, right. Um, you 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 mention, and this might be a little complicated for some people, but I trust that you can explain it. Um, that the issue of justification, which at, uh, would have been at some point a point of disagreement, maybe for some people it still is because they don't fully understand it, but that that has been resolved. Can you explain that quickly to us? Yes, the joint statement on justification was approved by both the Vatican and uh, uh, Lutheran bishops worldwide. Uh-huh. Uh, and this central issue of the Reformation, the thing that justified Luther in his own mind in leaving the Church, namely that he thought Catholics didn't know how to get to heaven, they were right. working their way in by good works, mm-hmm. whereas he taught justification by faith alone. Mm-hmm. That seemed to be, for almost 500 years, a non-negotiable issue. Right. Now, is it a one-part ticket to heaven or a two-part ticket? But when we started listening to each other and understanding each other, we discovered that we were saying essentially the same thing in different language systems, as the New Testament does. Right. For instance, in Galatians and in Romans, Paul says you are justified by faith. 
And James says, you are not justified by faith alone, but by mm-hmm. faith and good works. How mm-hmm. does that work out? Well, if by justification you mean just getting to heaven, uh, Luther's right. The thief on the cross had no time for good works if he got to heaven. Right. But if you mean by justification becoming totally right with God, God will not rest until we're perfect saints. And for that, we need good works, the works of love. Mm-hmm. So it depends on how you're using the word. Right, right. And that, at I guess, at the top levels, the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church, they've decided, and you said there was a joint statement, that we actually agree, that we're not saying two different things. Um, and that's an amazing achievement. No one thought that possible 50 years ago. No, I know, it is. Obviously, this is something that God did, not just us. Absolutely. Maybe that's that should be the number one lesson in, in this kind of work, that we should let God lead us and, and God do it. Um, did you learn anything in writing this book? You know, what, what can Catholics and Protestants learn from each other? Well, in, write, in the process of writing the book, I had to listen more carefully to the ideas, and uh, I think I learned anew the crucial importance of listening. Mm-hmm. A very simple thing, but uh, a very rare thing. God gave us uh, two ears and one mouth, but we usually talk twice as much as we listen instead of vice versa. Right. And again, something Pope Francis keeps reminding us about dialogue. Dialogue, listen to each other. Even if we disagree, even if it's uncomfortable, or maybe yep. maybe yep. It, you may- have you have no right to respond until first you listen to your your dialogue partner. Yeah, yeah, maybe especially when it's uncomfortable. Um, Peter, we're going to leave it there. Um, I like I said, I'm very much enjoying the the book. The way you've organized it, I think, is one of the things I like the most. So it's not a book that I have to start at the beginning and read to the end. Um, mm-hmm. I can just open a chapter and read it or find a topic. Um, is there a particular reason why you organize it that way? Yeah, I have ADD, and I get bored easily, and I don't like long sermons, so the book consists in very short chapters. There you go. That's probably why I like it, because I'm exactly the same way. Um, Peter, thank you so much for uh, for not being afraid to go into this topic further, and I and I, we always love what you're uh, writing, and uh, thank you for sharing a little bit of that with us today. You're very welcome, Deacon, and God bless you. Peter Kreeft is a professor of philosophy at Boston College, and he's one of the most respected Christian authors of our time. He's written many books, including How to Be Holy, Practical Theology, Back to Virtue, Because God is Real, You Can Understand the Bible, Angels and Demons, Heaven, The Heart's Deepest Longing, and A Summa of the Summa. His latest book, Catholics and Protestants, What Can We Learn from Each Other, is published by Ignatius Press, and you can also learn more about Peter and what he's up to at his website, peterkreeft.com, and it's Kreeft, K-R-E-E-F-T. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily, peterkreeft.com. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, J.J. Wright, conducting the Notre Dame Children's Choir and the Fifth House Ensemble with When the Sun Rises in the Morning Sky from the new album, O Emmanuel.
That was When the Sun Rises in the Morning Sky from the new Advent and Christmas album, O Emmanuel. It's been described as Christmas music at its very best, and I think I agree. A little bit of sacred, some classic, and a flavor of jazz doesn't get any better. That's the album we've been listening to, O Emmanuel, a collaboration by Dynamic Catholic and pianist and composer J.J. Wright that also features the angelic voices of the Notre Dame Children's Choir and the talented Fifth House Ensemble. And to tell us all about it, I am now joined all the way from Rome, Rome, Italy, J.J. Wright. Uh, J.J., welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks so much for having me, Deacon Pedro. I appreciate it. So how did this, this was your idea, so how did this idea c- come about? Yeah, the the idea first started as a uh, as a collaboration between myself and the director of the Notre Dame Children's Choir, uh-huh. and he was looking for a piece. Uh, just a little background on the choir: they're in, they're an ecumenical Christian group based out of South Bend, Indiana, yeah. at the University of Notre Dame. And the idea behind the choir is that if if we can um, if we can create a really great uh, sacred music education system for children all the way from age two through high school. Um, we're really securing uh, a bright future for sacred music in the church because these kids are developing the skills necessary not only to become musicians but also to become active participants in their in their faith life. Right. Um, so Mark was looking for a piece of music that would really uh, help the choir um, engage in a deep a deeper way with Advent, and we he started with an idea like like the uh, Handel's Messiah. Yeah, and from there we were kind of going back and forth, and um, and he was really hoping that we could include some jazz since my background uh, is in jazz. And, right. Um, I, I, you know, I stumbled on these O antiphons, and from there um, they just kind of, you know, took hold of my imagination, and and we both fell in love with the text, and that was that was sort of the genesis of the project originally. Okay, so then, so for people who are, we've only we've heard two songs already in the program. Um, uh, explain a little bit. So the the idea was to base the album around the O antiphons. Tell tell us for people who are not familiar with those what what those are. Yeah. So the o, the O antiphons are a set of prayers uh, uh, from Vespers during the final days of Advent. Yeah. Uh, Vespers is evening prayer, and these particular texts they go along with the Magnificat, which is the uh, sort of the exhortation that Mary says when she goes to visit Elizabeth. Yes. And um, and these um, particular antiphons are very ancient, uh, from at least the fifth century we know. And yeah. uh, each text is associated with a, an original Gregorian chant melody, and they sort of have taken on their own life. Um, as you know, we know them popularly through the hymn "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel." Yeah. They, yeah, yeah, they sort of make up the verses the in verses, a metrical yeah. way for that tune, but. Uh, but yeah, they're, it's a great set of texts, and they sort of they give these really illustrative and prophetic titles of Christ, and, and sort of describe his coming. They get us in the mode of being prepared for Christmas. Right. So did you have to did you have to find one musical piece for each of the antiphons? Did you have to write any music? How did you find the, the musical pieces? Yeah, it's all originally composed music, and okay. so I yeah, and so I used I used the original Gregorian chants as as inspiration. And, and I really studied them, um, you know, in a deep way. But um, what I wanted to do was illuminate these texts with new music so that they could really come alive, you know, through the voices of the children. Right. Okay. So no, and it's, and it's fabulous. Um, so, so you told us a little bit about the children's choir. 
They they are fabulous. Now tell us a bit about the the musicians. The, who are the the Fifth House Ensemble? Yeah, Fifth House Ensemble. They're a a new music group. So they focus on performing new newly composed music. They're based out of Chicago, uh, Chicago, Illinois, and they um, they're just a fabulous group of musicians to work for and work with. I mean, they yeah. you know they're world class musicians, and they you know they come and they are prepared at the highest level and you know, also just great people to be around. And so um, it was really a privilege to be able to collaborate with them on this. But they're classical, like it's a chamber music group? or yeah, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's like a chamber group. But, you know, in this sort of this world of newly composed music, there's all sorts of different influences that are finding their way into what would be traditionally called classical music. And so right. um, they're, they're extremely um, versatile musicians. And they can, you know, I put put music in front of them that has jazz on it and you know that's not normally a thing that classical musicians would be comfortable right. with but they were totally fine with it so i know i know i know i know a cello cello a classical cellist playing a a jazz bass line it's pretty cool um yeah. uh and you're you're the you're the the jazz piano that we hear in the recording that's right yeah and my my jazz piano trio uh is you know part of the part of the fabric of the piece so it's piano okay. bass and drums okay yeah. so so then you guys are part of it um and then some of the pieces also have some adult voices who are they yeah so uh we have a soprano alto tenor and bass uh soloist and um Arwen Myers is the soprano Laura Thorison is the mezzo soprano Brian Tui is the tenor and David Farwick is the baritone and yeah they're professional singers um You know, they make their career singing, singing solo right. music and singing in choirs. And uh, and the idea be behind having adults, too, is that I by including children's voices with adult voices, I could sort of create these big, um, these big sort of diverse sections where, uh -huh. uh, you know, that one of the movements is you know, there. There's all this kind of stuttering and fear embedded in the adult voices. And then the children kind of come in with this exhortation. Uh, as like a little prayer, you know, come and free those 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 captive, those in prison. And um, so, I, a lot of times, I'm using the different voices to just bring out the um, the diversity of the text. Uh huh. Good. And can you tell tell us a little bit about the whole record recording process? Did you have everybody together in a concert hall type setting, or did you have to? Yeah. 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 We used uh, we we recorded on the university, the campus of the University of Notre Dame. Okay. And they have a beautiful professional sound stage there that, that, that we were able to use. And, um, and the producer and engineer, uh, from five, four productions they're you know, they've won tons of Grammys. They're yeah. just incredibly professional and oh, awesome right. to work with. And they really, in, in many ways made the project possible because, you know, when, when at the biggest moments of the piece, there's 50 people on the stage. That's and great. when you're trying to get the music just right, you, you really need to have somebody who's done it a lot of times to, to keep everybody's nerves in order. Right. Um, so. Maybe just uh, I, I'm, it's it's you know we're we're an advent. I'm one of those people that 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 tries to stay stay away from the Christmas music and try to focus yeah. on Advent. It's not easy to find Advent music, um, except right. for you know O Come Emmanuel and O Come Divine Messiah. Um, I'm, but yeah. there are other pieces there. What, how do you think music can help us kind of enter into that spirit that leads us towards Christmas? You know, I think that just the very act of listening to music is one of those things that can help us enter more deeply into the season. You yeah. know, the idea of listening is, you know, really opens us up to to be able to hear the word of God in this season. 
And, you know, I think that especially, and my hope at least is, is with this music, that if, if people take the time to really give it a shot and, and give it a listen, um, it will help them enter more and understand more about the season and, and get their hearts in a, in a place that's more ready for, for the coming of Christmas. And so, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that's uh, thank you for saying that. I would have never thought of it that way, that, that Advent especially is about listening. Um, and what yeah. better way, I mean, than, than the music and, and even better if it's really good music. So thank you for, um, for putting this together. And, and uh, I'm hoping that there are other collaborations in the works. I know you're in Rome right yeah. now, so I hope that that means that you're working on something new. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, thank you very much, JJ. Thank you, thank you for what you do and for sharing your music with us. Thanks again for having me, Deacon. I appreciate it. J.J. Wright is a Grammy Award-winning pianist, conductor, and composer. O. Emanuel is published by Dynamic Catholic, and you can learn more and purchase the album at oemanuel.com. Make sure you spell Emanuel with two M's, oemanuel.com. Here now is one last song from O. Emanuel, featuring the Notre Dame Children's Choir and the Fifth House Ensemble, and, of course, J.J. Wright on piano and conducting. The song is titled, Orions.
We're listening to Orients from the album O Emmanuel. This is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. This segment is going out especially to all the dads out there. Who doesn't want to be an awesome dad? In his new book, marriage and family expert Dr. Greg Popchak claims he's got the secret to being a better father. And it comes from scripture. The Beatitudes to be exact. The Beatitudes to be even more exact. And to find out more about it, I spoke to Dr. Greg Popchak earlier this week. Greg, welcome to the program. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. I know you're a hard man to get a hold of, so uh, I'm, uh, we're, we're, we'll, we'll take whatever we can get because <laughs> because this is, I mean, it's, it's Father's Day, of course, um, uh, coming up, and uh, this is very apropos. But before we talk about the book, I'm, I'm curious to know a little bit about the work that you do as a, ca- can I call you a Catholic therapist? That is that such a thing? Yes, absolutely. A Catholic therapist, a pastoral counselor. Um, I'm the director of an organization called the Pastoral Solutions Institute. Yeah. Um, and the main thing that we do is provide uh, counseling services, telephone-based counseling services for Catholics all over the world, individuals, couples, families. Uh, and we provide Catholic integrated counseling services. I have seven full-time counselors that work with me. Wow. Uh, and we have clients all across North America as well as uh, around the world. We offer services in English and Spanish. Okay. And you, so you're a psychiatrist? No, I'm, I'm actually a clinical social worker by license. Okay. But I'm also a fellow of the American Association of Pastoral Counseling. Okay. Uh, and also my wife and I uh, co-host uh, yes. More to Life Radio, uh, which is on... Uh, Sirius XM 130, the EWTN, every yes. day at uh, 10 o'clock. Yes, I, w- I wasn't leaving that out on purpose. I, I did want to talk about the, the, wor- <laughs> the, the program, you, the very popular, should I say, radio program that you and Lisa, your wife, uh, host every morning. And so the topic of that mortal life radio is also kind of pastoral counseling, pastoral That's solutions? That's right, yeah, it's a call-in uh, advice program. It's, it's based on uh, uh, distilling in wisdom from Pope St. John Paul the Great's Theology of the Body uh, and, and appro- applying it to challenges of everyday life. So, for example, today we talked about uh, the pursuit of happiness. Uh, right. The day we were, the next, we're going to be talking about how to stop the, the inner critic from attacking you. We talked about uh, marriage and family issues, parenting questions. Really, if, if, it's, if it's a problem that's, a, that's making it more difficult for you to live the life that God meant you to live, then we right. talk about it on More to Life. Yeah, good. So that's on EWTN Radio every morning, correct? For an hour, that's 11 right, in the morning? 10 o'clock Eastern. 10 o'clock Eastern. Um, do, do you find it difficult, or what are the challenges that you find um, doing that kind of work in a Catholic setting, bringing in the faith, or does that make the work easier? 
for me, it makes the work easier. I mean, I think generally speaking, um, you know, therapists uh, are really reluctant to talk about religious yeah. and spiritual themes in counseling, and that's one of the reasons that I founded the organization was because uh, surveys consistently show that the people of faith would prefer to work with a professional that not yeah. only respects their faith tradition but is able to employ it mm-hmm. in the course of their work, uh, you know, of healing. And so there aren't a lot of places for people to turn. Uh, to work with professionals who are both professionally competent and licensed as well as uh, theologically and spiritually competent to help them. And so our whole emphasis at Pastoral Solutions is is to be able to bring both the wisdom of our faith as well as uh, insights from contemporary research and counseling psychology to help people bring all those resources to bear on whatever they're struggling with. Right. And do you find that, I mean, at, at the risk of sounding cliche, I mean, it's all integrated anyway. So when someone heals spiritually, they're also healing physically at some level. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's no such thing. When people say, you know, well, you know, is this just a chemical dis, uh, mm-hmm. chemical imbalance, right? Uh, or is this just a psychological problem? Or is this just a spiritual problem? It's, it's, a, it's a false question because one problem touches on every other problem. And so when you're able to go to somebody who's able to integrate as many dimensions of the problem as possible, you're able to manage it more efficiently. Right, right. Um, so just for people know, so it's the Pastoral Solutions Institute, catholiccounselors.com is where you can find that. I'm sure that, that people will find that useful. But I want to talk to you about, because you're, you're, you're a counselor, you're, you're, a, you're a, a spiritual director. I don't know if you do spiritual direction. Um, we do actually but, uh, the Pastoral Solutions Institute, yeah. But you're also a marriage and family expert, and you're a dad, and you're a husband, and you are an author, and the, your latest book is called, I love this title, Be The Bedatitudes. Bedatitudes, eight Ways to Be an Awesome Dad, um, published by Ave Maria Press. Um, I love this. Did, do you find, I mean, I always ask people why they write books, but did you find that the Beatitudes were an inspiration to you as a father even before you thought of this book? Yeah, you know, uh, there, there are a lot of... Um different ideas about what it means to be a man, to be a mm-hmm. father. And, uh, you know, Pope Francis in particular noted that the Beatitudes are a blueprint for Christian living. Yes. And, and it kind of got me thinking, you know, what do the Beatitudes have to say about parenthood in general, f- family life in general, fatherhood yeah. in particular? And as I sort of prayed and reflected on it, that, that's where the Beatitudes came from, really yes. looking at each of those eight Beatitudes Jesus gave us on the Sermon of the Mount and applying them through the lens of being a father after the father's heart. Right. Now, did you find, I, I, I mean, I'm, we're not going to go through all of them, but I, I, some of them kind of make sense. I want a dad who thirsts for righteousness, um, maybe even poor in spirit, but dads who are meek, can, can, can you unpack that one for us? Yeah, you know, meek, uh, I make the point in the chapter, meekness isn't weakness. Actually, the, 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 the Greek word that's used in the original, in the translation is, is a word for um, a war horse that responds well to his rider's commands. Oh. Uh, you know, it, 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 meekness is not a powerless word. It's not a weak word. It's a word that says, I'm receptive and I'm responsive to the movement of God. I, I can turn on a dime. I can, I'm not afraid of the battle. Um, I huh. can step in and, and, and really hear what God is asking me to do and be, re- 
responsive to God in that moment to my wife, to my children, uh, to what my family needs from me. Uh, and so to be meek is really to be active and engaged in a way uh, that allows me to be both aware of what's going on around me and aware of what God's saying to me through that moment. Mm-hmm, yeah, and that's something that I actually learned from reading the book. I did, would have never thought that to be meek means to be a good listener and, and not just as a dad, as a husband, as a, as a human being. It's good to be a listener. So you have eight Beatitudes, eight Bedatitudes, sorry, eight chapters. Each chapter is, obviously you explain a little bit about how that applies to dads, the Beatitude, and then you have... Can you, can you explain a little bit how you've kind of formatted the book? Because there are questions right. for reflection as well. Well, right. And, and, and each chapter is actually divided up into three sections. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I first start with our relationship with God uh, as our Father, um, because we can't give what we don't have. And if we don't have a proper understanding of how God the Father relates to us as His sons, then we can't pass that love and we can't pass that grace on to our spouse and our children. Then the next step right. is our relationship with our wife, because... Um, you know, Father Theodore Hesburgh once said the best thing that a, a father can do for his children is to love their mother. Um, and so, you know, our relationship with our wife is really essential to our fatherhood uh, because it, it models all the things that we're hoping to pass on to our kids, mm-hmm. how to have an intimate relationship with another human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last part of each chapter focuses on how do we apply all this in our relationship with our kids. Right. And and again, it's all integrated, of course. Um and then you have questions for reflection. How, how how do you intend people will use this book? I, my hope is that that people will will be able to pray through the book, whether okay. individually or um, in in group discussions, to be able to uh, use the book uh, to to read a section, to reflect on it, uh, uh, to kind of pray through the questions that I have uh, in each uh, section of the book just as a way of, of allowing us to not just get the information, but, for, but, but as a way of allowing it to soak in mm-hmm. uh, and become part of our lives. Yeah. I think that, that men in particular have a tendency to approach uh, books or, 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 or even therapy as a sort of, okay, give mm-hmm. me the 10 steps of what to do and let me get out of here. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and that's fine, you know, and I give a lot of practical stuff in the book that you can do that with, but I, I'd like it to go a little bit deeper, and so that's what the questions for reflection and prayer are really all about you know, to allow it to really settle in and change my heart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Men are, men are doers and, and fixers. It's like, just show me how to fix it. Um, so, so there you go. Um, be Daditudes, Eight Ways to Be an Awesome Dad. Great book with lots of spiritual and practical advice, questions for reflection. Every chapter ends with a nice prayer because um, I guess a good uh, a quality for dad is to be prayerful as well. Um, Greg? been great to finally get you on the program. Thank you for what you do. It's been great uh, knowing you and uh, looking forward to the next book. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. God bless. That was a conversation I had with Dr. Greg Popchak earlier this week. Dr. Greg Popchak is the executive director of the Pastoral Solutions Institute, an organization dedicated to helping Catholics find faith-filled solutions to tough marriage, family, and personal problems. You can learn all about their work at catholiccounselors.com. Greg and his wife, Lisa, also host the popular daily radio program, More to Life. Greg Popchak has authored over a dozen books. His latest, The Bedatitudes, Eight Ways to Be an Awesome Dad, is published by Ave Maria Press. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Rita West, with Chosen from her album of the same name.
That was Rita West with the title track of her album, Chosen. Rita West is a young and very talented singer-songwriter from New Orleans, where she grew up with 10 brothers and sisters. It was while serving as a missionary with Net Ministries that she learned to play guitar and found her real calling. She now travels the country leading worship and speaking at all kinds of events. Last year, she released her first single, Heart of Mercy, and now she's put out her very first album, which, which we've been listening to, Chosen. And to tell us more, I'm very happy that we are now joined by Rita West. Rita, welcome to the Salt and Light hour. Hi, thanks for having me. So cool. So 11 children, really? Yes, yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm number 10 of the 11, so I'm almost the baby, but oh I my goodness. have one younger sister. <laughs> so what was it like growing up in the West household? Oh, it was so eventful. Uh, yeah, I just, I have so many memories of childhood of, you know, before having a dishwasher of every night doing the dishes together and just singing to whatever song was on the radio together and right. just cutting up as uh, as we cleaned up and yeah so music was always a big part of my family too which is great had a big influence on me yeah so were your parents are your parents musicians or how did they aren't uh it's actually funny because both of them have always said like i don't know where any of our kids get their musical talent from it's not necessarily from us but i do have uh a number of my siblings who have studied music, who've pursued music in different ways, um, anywhere from being in like a hard rock band, right. singing opera, so. Really? Yeah, so, so your parents didn't make you like take piano lessons and stuff like that? No, they didn't. So I actually, yeah, I, I picked up guitar for like a week when I was 13 and was like, this is way too hard. I don't <laughs> want to play guitar. And then, uh, yeah, and then Praise God picked it back up when I served with Net, and that's where I learned right. how play so. right now were, were you singing like at church in the choir or anything like that not really I think because I had so many of my siblings who did sing uh-huh. for a while I was like this is I don't want to I don't want to do this this is everybody else's thing okay I'm gonna do I don't know I'm gonna find something different to do and then my junior year of high school I joined choir and I fell in love with singing and so uh, I never sang in any like official capacity uh, at my church or anything, but yeah, ever since being in choir just for junior year of high school, and then when I learned how to play just a couple years later serving with Net, um, yeah, I've loved it. <laughs> and and I presume that it was a Catholic household. Yes, yes. So uh, yeah, my parents are faithful, faithful uh, Catholics. So we. Went to Mass every Sunday. We had family rosary like once a month where oh, all yeah. my family would come over. And uh, yeah, so it was a blessing to have that foundation growing up. Absolutely. Right now, did you, I mean, I, I, I kind of want to get to you joining NET, yeah. but did you go through any period of, of kind of teenage rebellion or, or not totally being too much into the church thing? Or were you always pretty, pretty involved? Yeah. So... Thankfully, I didn't go through like a big rebellion phase. I'm really grateful that the Lord like protected me from that. I think so that it wasn't until it really wasn't until I was in high school though that I realized that the Catholic faith, like that my faith as a Lord was real and that it 
meant something more than just going to Mass on Sunday out of obligation. And so I never had any, you know, like resentment or bitterness towards the church, but I also didn't know that, um, yeah, I didn't know that the Lord, like, knew me and um, hmm. and cared about me, like, as an individual, you know, right. until I was in high school and encountered the Lord uh, at a youth conference. And, okay. yeah, so praise God, he just... That you were able to go to that conference. Uh, was it a Catholic? Yeah. Were you in Catholic school? I wasn't. So I I went to Catholic school for a couple years in elementary school, uh-huh. and then I was homeschooled for a while. And okay. then in high school, I was in public school. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I know it's great that God gives us those opportunities. Um, and then he yeah. grabs us. So then you end up, uh, I guess, discovering NET, and you, you end up uh, doing uh, some, some, some work with them. Tell us about that. Yeah, so... I, I don't even remember how I found that, but really, <laughs> initially, I was just scared of going to college because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. And so I found that, and I was like, well, this sounds awesome, and I could delay college for <laughs> a couple of years. Yeah. And But then I, yeah, I just remember the day I arrived, so their headquarters is in Minnesota, and I remember the day I arrived, um, the Lord just being so intentional to tell me, like, this is where, like, I have you here for a purpose, mm-hmm. and this is truly where you're supposed to be, not just to, like, get out of going to college for a couple of years, but, yeah, to come to know Him better, yeah. and, yeah, to, to serve the church, to serve His people, so. Yeah, that's great. So maybe um, a, a little plug-in for NET, if people are, don't know what NET is, so National Evangelization Teams, NET Ministries, uh, they can yeah. probably find that easily online if they're interested, because they're always looking for people to join, and, and, and I guess you join for a year, and you, you're, you're part of a parish team, or a retreat team, or whatever different teams they have, right? Right, right. And there's net in Ireland and net in Australia and, and in Canada as well. So, and maybe yeah. other countries, I don't know. Lots so, of opportunities. Yeah, lots of opportunities. So, um, uh, and then you, you finished with net. Now you're playing guitar. You're, do, you're doing, I guess, music. And because um, you're not just a singer now, you're also uh, a speaker. I saw on your website, you, there, you had like six talks that you do. I'm sure that there's yeah. more that you do. Tell us a bit about that. What is that kind of where you feel called to, to be? Yeah. Um, so I've been I've been doing ministry full time for uh, almost a year now, and um, yeah, I think that in some capacity that I will be doing music and speaking ministry forever. However, the Lord actually wants that to happen. But yeah, uh-huh. I I went to a, a conference one year and and heard uh, a woman who's now a good friend of mine, Mary Bielski, uh-huh. speak, and I was just so inspired by her authenticity wow. in giving this talk to you know thousands of teenagers at a conference and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and it just lit a spark in me. I was already leading worship and and you thought I want to yeah, be her <laughs> to expand that, yeah. you know so, um, yeah that that's that's great. So you're doing you said you're doing this full time. You're making a living out of doing this. Yeah, it, it it definitely has its struggles, and mm-hmm. it's not you know. Uh, I, I love that right now it's the main thing that I'm doing. Um, but yeah, so it has its struggles, but it's definitely a blessing, and God has provided so well, and has just continued to show me what a good father He is, mm-hmm. and providing for you know every need that every need, not every want necessarily, um, right. but every need that I have. That yeah, He's just providing enough opportunities. Uh, to, to bring yeah to, to be able to, to live so mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for that and however he continues to call me to do that um, whether that's full time or becomes part time or just when I can um, right yeah I'm looking forward to yeah to just journeying with him in that 
That's great. And now, of course, you you have this album. Why the title? Why chosen? Yeah. Uh, so the title, yeah, the title track chosen that you mentioned uh, that you had to plan. Um, I wrote that three or four years ago after coming across the scripture in John 15 where Jesus says, it was not you who chose me, but I who chose you. Right. And, yeah, just as I think about that, um, yeah, not even that he's chosen us to do anything, but that he's just chosen us. Like, he's chosen us to exist so that he can love us, so that we can share in the love that he has for us. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and so that's kind of where that song was born out of, and really uh, that became the title track just because of all the songs I wrote. It was the first song that I'd ever written that I really felt a call to share with people Mm -hmm. um, that like finally the fear of sharing something that I'd written like wasn't as important as sharing what I knew that God was putting on my heart to share with people right Um, yeah and I guess uh, um, uh, I guess a a lot of us and I'm sure your experience too that you you also feel chosen in in that sense I mean you were chosen to go to that conference when you were in high school and you were chosen to join net and you were chosen to to go listen to that speaker that that changed your your mind about what you you wanted to do um so um I think it's a um a personal thing but I guess all all our music and all our everything that we put out is is personal anyway right (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah. We're going to leave it there because we're running out of time, but I'm so excited to have finally met you. And uh, and like I said, uh, really, really liking the music. And uh, I Thank hope you. that there's more to come. I hope that you're already writing and thinking about your next album. Yes, praise God. I, I don't know when that will be, but I hope it's soon. I hope that, yeah, that that's coming soon. I'm really excited that I get to share this album. And yeah, I just, I appreciate you having me. Uh, on today. I yeah, for it. sure. So so stay in touch and, and let us know when if there's anything new and uh, we'll bring you back. Absolutely. Sounds great. Great. God bless. God bless you. You can learn more about Rita West, purchase her album, Chosen, or book her to come to your event at her website, a real easy one, ritawest.com. And here now is Rita with Victor from her debut album, Chosen. listening to Rita West with Victor from her album Chosen and that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. You can learn all about Salt and Light at our website saltandlighttv.org and when you're there visit our show page saltandlighttv.org slash radio. If you have any questions or comments or just to say hello reach out to me through Facebook or Twitter. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. (laughs) 